If you can imagine yourself in a courtroom to be a juror, if you could only imagine the weight that would be upon you to make a vital decision. In a courtroom, you would require to hear or see evidence, to hear or see testimony, to hear or see facts, to hear or see eyewitnesses. This morning, the Lord has given me the title, Jesus Can Change Your Mind. If you would turn with me to Luke 24, and as you're doing that, the backdrop is that Jesus has already been delivered into the hands of sinful men. He has been crucified, and he is dead, and he is now laying in a borrowed tomb. Will you stand? For emphasis, I want to start at Luke 24, verses 1 through 5. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? Why do you seek the living one among the dead? You may be seated. I have to let you know that on this miraculous day, there was another event happening that was very special. If you will move down to verses 13 and follow with me. 13 through 16. And behold, on that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus which was 60 stadia from Jerusalem. And when they were talking with each other about these things which had taken place, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they came to a stop, looking sad. So they are walking from Jerusalem to, um, to the village of Emmaus, and it's about seven miles. And Jesus shows up. There are three points that I want you to hear this morning. The first is Jesus meets, Jesus requires, and Jesus opens. And I will expound on each of these. The truth is Jesus meets us anywhere and anytime. These followers of Jesus 
that we're talking about this morning are not the 12, but they are busy discussing what was going on and what had happened prior to the crucifixion, the apprehension of Jesus, and discussing how Jesus died and all that he went through. They're talking and they're busy and they're sad. Jesus just showed up on the scene. Has, he hap has that happened to anyone in here? He just shows up. Suddenly, he just shows up. These two disciples in particular become indignant. One of them, Cleopas, becomes indignant because uh, he, that's what happens to us, you see, when we're in pain. Sometimes we're so consumed with our pain that we snap. We're so consumed with what's going on inside of us that, that, that we're insensitive to other people and, 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 and their feelings. But Jesus, the master, has been crucified and they are consumed with bewilderment and sadness. And so with indignation, one of the disciples says something to the effect of, you're not around from around here, are you? You, you must not uh, 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 be among all the, 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 the folks in Jerusalem, or, or perhaps you're, you're, you're deaf. You, you don't know what's been going on. Everyone's talking about Jesus. Everyone's talking about what he had gone through and, and, and how they crucified him on the cross. These disciples are in a place of pain. They're saying, you haven't heard how the, the chief priests and, and, and the religious rulers delivered Jesus over to a death sentence and crucified him. If my grandmother was here, she would say, uh, do tell, do tell. Uh, uh, the, the women, the, the disciples are saying, well, you know, the, the women followers, they went to the tomb this morning and, and they found it empty and then the others went to see the tomb, and they found it exactly as, as the women had said, but him they did not see. These men are so bewildered. They believe that, uh, that Jesus was of, of Nazareth was mighty in deed and word, but they did not mention that he was the Messiah. These two men believe that their Jesus was the man that would deliver them from, from Roman rule. And besides all this, it's the third day. It's the third day since these things have happened and they're saying, there's no sign of Jesus. You must be a visitor of Jerusalem. You're not from around here. How is it that you're unaware of what's going on? How is it you are unaware of our pain? And Jesus politely says, what things? In verse 17, he says, what things? Now you got to know that Jesus is, is invoking himself into a conversation with these disciples. Jesus, who is omniscient, all-knowing, he knows what's on their hearts. He knows what's on their minds. He wants to converse with them. He wants to talk with them. Jesus is being intentional about conversing. He wants to hear what's on your heart. He wants you to talk with him. He wanted the disciples to spell it out. Tell me about your pain. 
He says the same to us today. He wants us to tell him about our pain. Whatever you're going through, it's not about getting on Facebook or all different kinds of channels of media to talk to someone else so that you will have some kind of relief out of your pain. Jesus is saying, talk to me. Talk to me. He wants to hear your heart. Jesus knows that there are times that your money is funny and your change is strange and, and your kids are rebelling and your spouse doesn't care and perhaps you have a job, but no, you've been laid off. Your blood pressure is high and your mortgage is behind and your bills are not paid and your so-called friends are wrong and your joy is gone. Jesus wants to hear your pain. In point two today, Jesus requires us to remember. Remember what, Jesus? He wants us to remember what his word says. Now, you have to know that as they're walking along these seven miles, that's about three hours of talking. At least three hours of talking. He's talking to them, and they're talking to him. In verse 26 and 27, Jesus is talking and he said, was it not necessary? Luke 24, 26 and 27. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to come into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. And since we're going to have this imaginary trial in this jury and you're the juror I want to give you a fact that the prophet said some 700 to a thousand years before Christ was born these things Zechariah said that Jesus would be trade for 30 pieces of silver the psalm writer said 700 to a thousand years before Jesus was born that Jesus would be betrayed by a close friend Psalm writer said Jesus would die a humiliating death. The psalm writer said Jesus would be accused of false witnesses. The prophet Isaiah said Jesus would be silent before his accusers. The psalm writer said Jesus will be sneered and mocked. Isaiah said he will be spat upon and struck. Isaiah said Jesus will be crucified with thieves. The psalm writer said Jesus will be re resurrected. And the psalm writer said Jesus will ascend into heaven. And the psalm writer said he will sit at the right hand of God. And Luke 24, 8, if you reflect back with the angels and the women at the tomb, remember, it starts out in that reverse and it says, remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee saying that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise from the dead. And they remembered his words. Now the challenging thought for you today, the challenging thought for your process is this. He says to them and to us, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe, in all that the prophets have said, Jesus is requiring us to remember. 
To remember what? He says, I want you to remember my word. He says, I want you to remember what's already been done. These disciples should have been remembering how their forefathers had been captured and brought up out, brought up out of Egypt. They had been in slavery for 400 years. They had been brought out and they crossed over on dry land by the Red Sea. They should have remembered what he has already done. They should have remembered how they never got sick, how their clothes never wore out, how they were kept in the wilderness, how they were provided bread of heaven and they were provided by living water. They should have remembered that they were given land with milk and honey and that God would be go before their, their enemies and give them victory. They should have remembered. But don't be too harsh on them. We too must remember. We need to be remembering what he's already done. When we look back in his word and what the prophets have said 700 to 1,000 years before, it was Jesus who made it all come true. It was Jesus today who says, don't you remember when you were out of work for three years? I'm the one that rang the phone and gave you that job. Don't you remember when you had cancer and the doctor said, we don't seem to quite know why we called you in today. We can't find the cancer. Don't you remember when your child was sick and you weren't knowing how who was going to get to your child and you needed a specialist and your money had run out. Don't you remember when your child was out there in the world and doing all manner of evil and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed until they came home? Don't you remember when you used to be drunk, but now you're sober? Don't you remember that you had a child that needed to be saved, and now they're in the church house? Don't you remember? God is requiring us to remember. Don't you remember when you were doing drugs, clubs, and all kinds of thugs? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? We can't be so holy and sanctified now that we forget what he's brought us out of before. Don't you remember? As we remember his word, don't you remember how he got your marriage back together? Don't you remember? You need to remember today what he's already done. Don't you remember? And in the practical, I just have to tell you for myself, this young woman who just had birth her twin boys and she's in the in, in the waiting area and she's waiting on news because these babies have come six weeks early and she gets a phone call and and they say you you, you need to get down here and tell one of these boys goodbye because he's not going to make it he's not going to make it don't you remember when, when, when you make that phone call and you need to call your mama and your daddy, and you gotta call people who can get a prayer through, you need to remember that you need to call the saints of heaven, and you need to say that I, to the ones who believe in the one and only true God, if you can get a prayer through and believe what you say is according to his word, that he'll do the thing, 
He'll bring them out. And you will not believe man's report. You'll believe God's report. I have to tell you that Caden and Colin, who are Bishop and our, grand, our grandsons, Caden and Colin, who were so young, and Lord, we know they came early, but if you would just listen, just as we plead, Father, if, if you can use them in your kingdom, if you can use them in your kingdom, would you save them, Lord? Would you save the babies? And then six weeks later, here we are, and they've just had their one month, one month birthday. And I say, thank you, Lord. I remember, I remember the, de the devastation. I remember the disappointment. I remember the hurt. And I remember the pain in my daughter's voice, God. But I remember how you brought them out. I remember how you brought them out. He wants us to remember. He's waiting on a people who will believe that he'll do the thing before you even pray it. So when the babies were born, I immediately named them strong and mighty. I had to tell them, I said, you're strong and mighty and you shall live and not die. Strong and mighty. So five weeks old today, I remember what he's already done. That's God. Point three today is Jesus opens our eyes. The question of the hour in the courtroom is, do you believe if Jesus is dead or alive? For these two disciples, they're not expecting to see Jesus. They're walking on these seven miles with Jesus. They don't know who this man is. They're just walking and talking. Their confidence in the resurrection has fainted. They've been disappointed, and it's the same for us. We get one or two disappointments. We get 15 or 20 disappointments, and we put our Jesus down, and we don't believe that he's alive anymore. Our, our confidence gets shaken. If you can picture this, going down the road, it's these seven miles of road. I'm going to call it the road of pain. It's a well-traveled road. You can relate to it. Been doing it every day. If you just picture it like Kingston Pike. Been going down it every single day. But today is called the road of pain. Uh, we've been expecting Jesus to get up out the grave. We've been expecting to see his body, but nobody's seen him. Nobody's seen him. Three years we're thinking he's the one, he's the one, but we're sad and we're disappointed and we're all bewildered. So we're walking down this road, this same road that we've been down a thousand times. Unbeknownst to you today, there's been a sign put in the road, but you and your friend just walking along, we're talking about how miserable we are. We're talking about how bewildered we are. We're talking about how our hope is gone. We're talking about the thing has not come to pass that he said would come to pass. We're so bewildered and we're so shaken. We're so shaken because things in life haven't happened the way we thought it would happen. And we're so bewildered on this road that we've been on so long that we missed the sign. We don't even notice the sign. We walk right past the sign. How many of you today have walked on this road of pain and you miss Jesus? He's right there. You miss Jesus. He's right there with you. 
He's walking with you. He's talking with you. He's discussing your life with you. And he wants to hear your pain. But you miss Jesus. In verse 30, he said, And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. This Jesus in his glorified body made himself known to them, and he wants to do the same for us. And also to the remaining disciples who were shaken back in Jerusalem. They were afraid. Their confidence was gone. But he went and he showed himself to him. Jesus is saying, you can trust my word. Jesus appeared to all those that he wanted to show, my word is true. I told you I was going to get up with all power in my hand. The prophet said so, and I did so. And so it is today. He passed through the grave clothes. He passed through the grave. He passed through the walls. He passed through the doors in his glorified body. In verse 38, he says to the 12, and he said to them, why are you so troubled? Church, why are you so troubled? And he said to them, why are you so troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. He meets us on this road of pain when we're in sadness and have bewilderment. He wants to have a relationship with us and he wants to talk with us. He wants to hear from us and he requires us to remember his word. And he asks us all the time, why are you so troubled? Don't you know I left heaven just for you? Don't you know I went to the cross just for you? Don't you know that I took all your sin, all your shame upon me just for you? And he opens our eyes, not simply to see his nail-scarred hands and feet. I can see the Lord. In the year of King Isaiah, when he died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw him sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, and his robe filled the temple. Yes, it did. And the seraphim called to him, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. An encounter with Jesus will change your mind. If you want to have a verdict, if you want to make a decision today, the facts are in. The evidence is in. He lives. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Romans 12, 2. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. New things in come. I want to let you know I can't speak for you. I can't get you into heaven. That's a personal encounter with Jesus. Jesus is no longer a prophet. He is now that was mighty indeed. That was then. But now he is the living word. Jesus is no longer my hope of an earthly king. 
He is my Messiah. Jesus is no longer a visitor in my life. He is my life. Jesus. Jesus is no longer a stranger that is unaware of my circumstance because he holds it all and he knows all. Jesus is no longer in the grave. He is alive and he has ascended to heaven. Jesus no longer walks among us in the flesh. Jesus is in my heart. Jesus has changed my mind. Now I have the mind of Christ. I have the evidence for myself. I've seen him at work. I've talked to him and he talks to me and I know him in my heart. How about you? Are you still waiting on proof about Jesus? This morning you have given the opportunity to make him your Lord and your savior. He'll be your Messiah. He won't be just as one of my uh, nieces would say, a good man. I pray for her all the time because I'm like, if you died today, sweetheart, you're going to hell. If you died today, you're outside of the kingdom of God. There is one, the only one, who came from heaven for you personally. But it is by faith that you are saved. You can't go because mama is believing. You can't go because grandmama believes. You can't get there because your uncle believes. You got to believe him for yourself. You got to make him Lord for yourself. He says if you will confess the Lord Jesus, that he is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the grave, you will be saved. And I thank him today for the cross. I thank him for the pain. I thank him for all he went through because he gave us not just eternal life, but he gave us abundant life right now. He's saying, why are you so troubled, church? Why are you so sad? Why are you walking down this road of pain? There is one who holds it all, knows it all, in control of it all, and he can change your mind. But it's up to you to open your mind and your heart to him. It's up to you to believe the evidence. It's up to you to allow him to work in your life. All around the building, will you stand? All around the building. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus can change your mind. Not telling you about what, what mama said is what I know for myself. He can change your mind. When you put down drugs, clubs, and thugs, when you change your life, he'll change your life. He'll change your speech. He'll change your walk. He'll change your talk. He'll change you. He'll change your mind. He'll give you the mind of Christ. Whether you are watching us on satellite, on live stream, or here in the sanctuary, you have the opportunity to make Jesus your Lord. You can know right now, right now, that you're in the kingdom of God. 
right now. God is so compassionate. When he rushed up on those two disciples, he didn't say, don't y'all know who I am? He just listened to them. He was interested in their pain. If you want to make Jesus your Lord today, just raise your hand. You have an opportunity. Just raise your hand. The evidence is in. He's proven himself. His love proves it. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. In your living room, in your den, in your bedroom, just raise your hand. Father God, we so thank you that you said that we would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead, we would be saved. I thank you, Father, for those that you are rescuing right now from the clutches of Satan, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you're bigger, God. We just praise you and we honor you and we just thank you, God, how much you care about us, how much you love us, how you will that none perish. So, Lord, we just thank you for those that are here today, those that are hearing, Lord. May they believe in your heart, your word, that you're real that you're in control, that you're sovereign, that you're holy, that you're righteous, and you love humanity. So we just thank you now, God, for what you're doing and what you will do. And we praise you and we honor you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, you'll change our minds.